today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Juno Awards uh, coming up and, of course, uh, the nominations all dropping yesterday. Let's bring in Alan Cross, music journalist, internationally known broadcaster. He is with us now. Alan, thanks so much for the time as always. Much appreciated. Oh, you're welcome. We're chatting and nobody died this week, which is good. No, I know. (laughs) We're actually talking about the Junos versus maybe the Grammys. I'm looking at the... uh, the long, long list of Juno Awards. And, uh, you know, there's some interesting stuff here. And can, you can compare this to what we're going to have to deal with the Grammys on February the 10th. I would much rather watch the Junos than the Grammys. Interesting. All right. Uh, one thing I want to ask you about before we get into the Junos, uh, we're, we were talking yesterday about uh, the Internet of Things and regulation and such and in uh, controlling Canadian content on the Internet. And the discussion very much reminded me of the discussion back in the 70s about Canadian content rules on radio, the 30% Canadian content rule on radio, and, and living through that as a kid and, and lots of Murray McLaughlin and Ann Murray and Gordon Lightfoot, which eventually, you know, uh, made way to, to, to Brian Adams and Colin James and such. Your thoughts on how the Canadian content regulations of the past shaped Canadian music today? They were a necessary evil. When we first got them, it was kind of like getting a dinner plate, and 30% of that dinner plate was covered with broccoli. <laughs> and you'd say, I, I, I don't like broccoli. Actually, the new food guide, Alan, is it is now. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And the government would say, well, you got to eat your broccoli because it's not only good for you, but it's good for broccoli farmers. So we ate broccoli for, for many, many years. And we surprise, learned to like it, and the broccoli farmers really began to thrive. So we, the, the Canadian content rules were not only a cultural strategy, but they were an industrial one. We had no infrastructure for a music industry before 1971. When uh, radio had to start playing Canadian music, then that industrial infrastructure had to be put in place. Studios, venues, producers, managers, agents, promoters, all these things that were necessary to build a first world music industry. And it took a while. It took at least, you know, 10, 12 years before we started to notice something really concrete. But by the time we got to the 1990s, our domestic music industry was far stronger than it really should be for a country of our size and population. And now, if you look at what we export to the world, you know, with Celine Dion and Drake and Sarah McLaughlin and Rush and uh, on and on and on. Uh, we punch far, far above our weight. We would have never reached this stage had it not been for the Canadian content rules. A better question might be asked, uh, might be uh, worth asking, might be, how much longer do we need them? That was my next question. Do we still need it now? We, well, things have shifted so much. We don't have them when it comes to the internet. We still have them when it comes to legacy media like radio. Right. So the discussion is, all right, radio's influence in terms of breaking stars and creating a star system and making hits is not what it used to be because of the rise of streaming and the Internet. So why should one medium, the old school one, the radio one, the one being uh, that the one that's under assault from new technology, why should they continue to work under these owner's rules when the swifter, stronger, more popular Internet stuff, uh, Internet service uh, providers don't have to? This is something that we're going to have to deal with when we come to the next uh, review of the Broadcast Act in Canada. Um, a lot of radio people are going to be saying, well, this is an un- unlevel playing field. We've we got to do something. If we 
don't impose CanCon rules on the Internet, which would be a very difficult thing to do, well, then there's got to be some relief on the terrestrial side. Uh, I'm obviously not in music radio anymore. How big an issue is this for them? Well, it used it was a much bigger issue right. at one point when there was not a lot of good Canadian music to choose from. Now there's there's more than we know what to do with. Yeah. So it's not nearly as onerous as it used to be from a, an artistic point of view. But given that radio supports things like Factor and the Star Maker Fund and puts a lot of money into organizations like SOCAN and the CMRRA, uh, there's a lot of money that's flowing out from traditional broadcasters that are not flowing out from, say, Spotify, and investments that are being made by Canadian radio that are not being made by Apple Music. Mm. So, okay, that's got to be addressed somehow. Uh as far as the internet, have we come far enough with our creativity, our culture, our arts that we don't need this? I mean, over and above the fact that it's a lot more complicated to regulate the internet than it would be, say, radio. Uh, radio, um, are, are culturally, do we need to do this? I mean, whether it's uh, film, uh, whether it's it's music or or such, have we grown enough as a country that that we can stand on our own two feet with this? Well, it depends who you ask. I think culturally we're just as good as or better than anybody else in the world. However, since 1971, part of this infrastructure that's grown up, it has it, are, are, are institutions and organizations and companies that rely directly on being able to tap into the fact that we have CanCon quotas. If we remove or relax or somehow change those quotas, a lot of these people are going to be out of work because their businesses won't be funded anymore by CanCon-friendly money. They have grown up, as as one person once um, so delicately put to me, uh, feeding off the teat of uh, of Canadian content rules. So if if there's, you know, there'd be a tremendous amount of pushback. Well, first of all, for musicians who enjoy this this sort of exposure, and I I don't have a problem with that. But again, there's all these other organizations, these cultural uh, support organizations and businesses that have grown up with CanCon that would be wiped out if there was no CanCon. So uh, is this just being used now to prop up old institutions from the day, as opposed to what technology is offering us now? Some people will argue that. Uh, Other people will point out that radio is still very powerful, very popular, very profitable. So, no. Um, But at the same time, things are changing. The old cultural gatekeepers, which were the record stores, the radio stations, the music magazines, and maybe the video channels, they're nowhere near as influential as they used to be. And the Internet just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, we had a story, um, uh, Apple, for example, yesterday announced in their quarterly meetings that Apple Music now has 50 million paid subscribers. Uh, Spotify has somewhere over 100 million paid subscribers. If you look at the charts, now it used to be back in the day that you would get a song on the radio and that uh, song would be pushed to the top of the singles charts and the album from which it came would be pushed to the top of the album charts. Last couple of weeks, the number one album in America made it to that top spot by selling less than 650 physical records. Yeah, yeah. So it's all about streaming. It's not about... Uh, it's all about measuring consumption, not about album sales, not about single sales, and less and less about radio airplay. So, uh, you know, radio will adopt. I'm not worried about that. Radio will adopt and, and figure out a way to, to co-opt this new technology. However, things are changing, and the rules that underscore and underpin 
this industry are going to have to change and adopt as well. So, again, more than just playing 30% uh, Canadian content, technology is going to force these discussions, is it not? It is. Um, And I have a feeling that's why things didn't really progress with the last review of the Broadcast Act about uh, 14, 15 years ago. Uh, it's, it's, there is one scheduled. However, it just happens to be scheduled on the other side of the next federal election, so it may get kicked down the road a little further. Uh, where do you think this is going with the Internet? Well, that's, uh, streaming has won. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah. there's still people who want to buy records. They want to buy CDs, and that's fine. But uh, each week, if you look at the sales numbers, uh, uh, CD sales in Canada are down about 30% from where they were this time last year. And last year was a really bad year. But if you look at streaming adoption, it just keeps going up and up and up. There's about somewhere around 1.3, 1.4 billion streams in Canada every single week now. Um, so s- streaming is the way forward. I mean, listen, you've, whatever device you have, wherever you happen to be, uh, you can have access to 45 million songs mm. with a couple of pokes of your phone or a poke on the dashboard or, or on your desktop. That's really hard to beat. So physical music is becoming more and more of a niche sort of thing. So streaming's one. I think the next question to ask is, okay, what's after streaming? And uh, people are only now beginning to ask that question, trying to figure out what that might be. There are some who think that we should be looking to the tech industry. And if we look at something like artificial intelligence or virtual reality or augmented reality, somehow that's going to be folded in with the music experience. But how and when and by who and in what form? So, uh, you know, every 10 years or so, there's a hugely disruptive thing to the music industry that destroys everything and they have to rebuild. So they've just rebuilt after the introduction of streaming. So in the next five to seven years, there's going to be another disruptive event and that's going to change everything yet again. So is the collection dead? I mean, I had this discussion with my 16-year-old all the time, who, again, Spotify just doesn't need it. It can get it anywhere, any way they want. And I think, well, no, here, even if it's in my iPhone, even if I've gotten away from the, the crates of albums or whatever, it's still my stuff in my iPhone, and I can go back and find that thing that I want to, to hear. This is the best music, in my opinion, of my generation. Why do they have no interest in that and rather, yeah, if I want to find that obscure song, I'll just go find it on a streaming service because yeah. I'm still not convinced that everything is there. I'm still convinced hey, there's something in my collection that they don't have. Why do people collect stamps? Why do people collect humble figurines? Why do people collect... Uh, oh, don't put me in that category, Alan. That's, Come on. That's, that's, that's where it's going. Yeah. That's really where it's going. Where If you want to have a physical library where you can touch and feel and uh, play with, with, with these pieces of plastic or whatever they happen to be, that you can look at and enjoy being in their presence. Great, fantastic. I'm never not going to be one of those people. Um, it is a way, when you have a collection, you have a much deeper relationship with the music than you do with streaming because so many people, I think it's 30% of people who listen to streams, will skip an unfamiliar song within five seconds. Hmm. Uh, if you have a collection, now well, listen, I invested money in this. I am going to listen to this. I'm going to get deeper into this because I want to appreciate what, I'm, what I've actually amassed. So it'll be two different types of music experience. One, a fairly 
you know, evanescent one where you just listen to organized noise going in one ear and out the other. The other is the serious music fan who will want to study this music by paying very close attention to it while listening um, seriously, intently, and carefully. Watching someone go through a streaming service and, as you said, just keep plucking away and plucking away, it reminds me very much of my sister in her old Mustang with an AM radio and the buttons just, whenever she didn't like a song, boom, onto the next one, and then boom, onto the next one, and boom, on. It's very much come full circle, hasn't it? It sure has. I remember when the first digital radios came out in cars and they had 18 presets. And yeah. Oh, my God. People would, you know, punch, 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 punch. Actually, we can go back a little bit further to that. It would be uh, when CD players first came out and they had the skip button. Yeah. That was, you know, and you had a remote. So for, for the first time, and this would be 83, 84, 85, 86, for the first time when a song on an album came up that you didn't like, you didn't have to get up and walk across the room and move the needle or, yeah. you know, advance the song. You could just hit a remote, a button on your remote, and bam, you're in the next, uh, to the next song. So that was the beginning of it. And, and now we've come to expect that, well, uh, I don't like this, next, 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 next. I mean, it's flipped. Yeah. You know, swipe right, swipe left, swipe left for music. I, I remember very vividly, and I think I told you this, a couple of years ago when we got my daughter a uh, turntable and we're, we're playing an album. Well, how do I get it to go to the next tr- song? <laughs> you pick up the needle, lady, and you move it over. It was hilarious. The I look on in, her face was, really? Was I funny. was in a car with a, with, a, with a friend who had a daughter, and a, ra- a song came on the radio, and it finished. And she says, Play it again, Daddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Oh man! All right, uh, we've uh, we've only got a little bit of time left. I know you got to run. Uh, Junos, you were saying that at the beginning of this uh, phone call, the Junos were more interesting to you than the Grammys. Explain that. Yes, I'll tell you why. The Junos are over in a nice tight two hours. The Grammys go on forever. Uh, the Junos actually pay attention to rock music and metal music. The <laughs> the Grammys, it's like what's that? Uh, and you know, I, I think if you look at the nominations for the Grammys, the people that were doing the nominating, the nomin- nominating, nominating, including people like me, um, we actually listen to music. <laughs> Unlike, I think, the, uh, the political aspects of what you see with the Grammys. So, um, you know, it's, it's just much nicer to look at our award show and think, yeah, we do it better than the... It certainly is more performance heavy than it is the awards. I think they only give out like a half a dozen awards a night, don't they? Yeah, they do. Uh, it is. Because remember, when you watch the Grammys on TV, it's a TV show. Yeah. They're out to try to get as many eyeballs as they possibly can. They're out there to try to get as, ratings, uh, as high ratings as they possibly can. This is what an award show, any award show, is all about. How do we get people in front of the TV watching these these things at uh, whatever time? So um, we'll see what kind of shows the uh, shows uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the Junos um turn out this year and it's from london ontario first time ever in london good for them that's great so, to see yeah i mean you remember what it was like when it first came to hamilton that was such a really big deal back in the late 90s early 2000s uh london first time um first time host they are going to want to really do it upright so we'll see all right and uh, one quick one health of canadian music we're talking about the con can uh, uh, can con and such health of canadian music right now Again, punching far beyond our weight for a country of our size and population. We have a lot to be proud of. Uh, we have problems just like everybody else when it comes to uh, like the middle and lower class musicians getting paid. But uh, generally, I have to be pretty optimistic about what we've done with this, with this industry and 
this music. Alan Cross has been with us, music journalist, talking about the Juno nominations have dropped uh, Hamilton acts like Arkells and Monster Truck up for awards. Alan, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. You bet. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.